can't tell if the chemistry is good by looking at it. It wasn't clear yesterday. For the last time, the saltwater pool is a chlorine pool. This is the Talking Pools podcast with pool pros from every region in the country. If it happens in a pool, you'll hear about it here. Everything from tips and hacks to the latest tricks and trends, breaking news. We lay it on the line. We tell it like it is because we think you deserve to know. Hey guys, it's Rudy Stankwitz, and it is Thursday. Not just any Thursday, it's the Thursday before Labor Day weekend. The official, unofficial end of the swim season. Mostly because the kids up north go back to school this upcoming week after their long summer vacation. Of course, kids in the southeast already been back in school a couple of weeks at this point in time. You all know what that means, of course. Traffic is going to suck. Plan your routes accordingly. Give yourself some extra time. There will be school buses stopping on the road everywhere. I know a lot of you are out there dealing with pool closings. Folks throughout the southern states are dealing with pool neglect. Because once the kids go back to school, it's out of sight, out of mind. And they forget to put chemicals in those things. So you're getting those 911 calls. Help me, my pool is green. Help me, my pool is green. Help me, help me. Regardless of what we're doing, we are still busy. I'm hoping you get a chance to catch a break. Barbecue, family time, throw a pole in the water. Get in the wind if you are a pool pro that likes to ride. Last week, I mentioned that I was an Aussie fan from way back. Longtime listener George Wolf, he's out there vacking to ZZ Top. Uh, Derek Black Bear's out there jamming to Metallica. And we have Dennis Beliud listening to Nirvana. Come clean my pool. Okay, enough being stupid. It's time to jump into CPO Thursdays. I'm going to go grab a cup of coffee. You do the same. We'll meet back here in just a minute. talk about filters a little bit today. We Last week, we spoke about circulation, and circulation is basically pump sizing. That's all about pump sizing. We size the pump to the pool because we have to hit certain turnover rates. The pump determines how much water we move, how much water we throw, how fast the water moves through the system. That's our flow rate. Filters can only handle so much water so quickly. So when we're looking at filter sizing, we definitely want to size the filter to the pump. Because if you force more water through a filter than it can handle, bad things will happen. 
If you have a cartridge filter or a diatomaceous earth filter, you will embed debris so far into the elements that you will never be able to clean it out. If you have a sand filter, this magical thing called channeling can occur. If you imagine the cross section of an ant hill, all the tunnels that go through that mound, that's basically what would happen. We would create these tunnels, or we call them channels, throughout the sand bed that allows the dirty water to completely bypass the sand and head back out into the pool. So we want to be careful of that when we're sizing our equipment. Of course, if we force too, too much water through, then your tank's just going to explode. Okay, maybe bust at the seams is a better term, but still, not a good thing. The three main types of filters we deal with, and I say main types because there are a whole bunch of different types of media we can put in these things, but what we're looking at is cartridge filters, sand filters, and then, of course, diatomaceous earth. I'm not going to speak a lot on glass media, cellulose, pulp fiction, whatever you want to talk about. That's a whole different episode. Like I said, this is CPO Thursday, so I want to deal more with the material that's covered in those classes, and it doesn't really lend toward those other types of media as much. Filtering is just simply removing things that do not dissolve in the water. And the media, right, your sand, diatomaceous earth, or your cartridge element, that determines how small or how fine of a particle you can actually remove from the water. So sand filters can actually pull particles out down to 25 microns in size, which is tiny stuff because human sight can only see unaided down to 35 microns. Anything less than that, we need a microscope to check it out. Cartridge filters can pull out particles down to 10 to 14 microns in size. Diatomaceous earth filters can actually filter out particles down to 2 microns in size. So DE filters pull the finest particles from the water. To give you an example, a human red blood cell is 8 microns across the diameter of a blood cell is 8 microns. So DE filters actually have the capability of filtering human blood cells from the water. And of course, a grain of salt is 110 microns across. So any of these types of filters could filter out salt if it didn't dissolve. If you listen to the section where we talk about Bayless Ascaris procyonis, which is the roundworm that raccoons carry when they poop in the pool, they can shed up to 250,000 eggs per gram of feces. We can remove that by filtering. And the reason we can remove it by filtering is because that egg from the Bayless Ascaris procyonis is very large. It is 55 microns wide by 65 microns tall. It's kind of egg-shaped, oval, right? Egg makes sense. It's fitting. So, But the filter we have that does the worst job filtering, a sand filter, can pull out particles down to 25 microns in size. So that's why running your filter four turns when a raccoon is pooped in the pool will sufficiently remove the eggs if there were present. And of course, you know, there's a few other steps to that process. So don't just run the filter and go swimming with raccoon poop in the pool. But that was just to give you an example. If you want to learn more about raccoon shit, you can check back through our prior episodes where we do talk about different types of feces and how to handle it when it gets into the pool. 
Sand filters specifically use 20-grade silica sand. Each grain of sand is 0.45 millimeters in diameter, and it has coarse edges. It is those coarse edges that catch the debris as the water passes through the sand bed. This is silica sand, so just like diatomaceous earth, you should wear an N95 NIOSH mask while handling this material. The thing about silica is, is when you inhale it, when you exhale, it doesn't necessarily come back out again. You do not want to hurt yourself. You do not want to make decisions now that can hurt you later. The way we clean a sand filter is by backwashing, right? We shut the pump off. We manipulate the valve into the backwash position. We turn the pump back on. We run for two to three minutes or until the water comes out clear. Shut the pump off. Turn the valve back into the rinse position. Run the system a minute this way. That will flush out any sand that got in the plumbing and reseat the sand bed inside the filter. Again, the pump off back into the normal filter position, and then we let that puppy run. That's how we clean a sand filter. When do we do it? Pressure side filter should have one or two gauges. If it has one gauge on the filter, we're going to clean the filter whenever the pressure rises 8 to 10 PSI above your normal operating pressure. If you have an influent and an effluent gauge, some of the bigger sand filters do, you'll want to backwash that filter when there's an 8 to 10 PSI difference between the two gauges. With a sand filter, we change out the sand periodically tough. We deal with it. It's a pain in the ass. Usually it involves you taking anywhere from a couple of hundred to a couple of thousand pounds of sand out through a hole the size of a Frisbee. Luckily, this is something that we only do once every five to seven years. Why do we do this? Well, remember we spoke about how each grain of sand has coarse edges over the time with water running over it. Just like a stone at the beach, those edges can smooth and allow the sand or the debris rather to go deeper and deeper through the sand bed till it gets to a point where it just returns back out to the pool. A shop vac does a real good job at taking the sand out through that tiny hole when you add the new sand, again, make sure that we're adding 20-grade silica sand. It's made for swimming pool filters. We're not adding beach sand, play sand, or anything like that. If you do, whatever comes next, well, guess what? You earned it. When you're adding the sand to the sand filter, it's a good idea to fill the filter halfway with water, so that way it deadens the impact of the sand while you're pouring it in, so you do not break a lateral. Those are those things at the bottom of the tank that look like little cylinders. They have slits in them that will allow the water to pass back through out to the pool without allowing the sand to pass through, which is a key indicator if you see that you're getting sand into the pool in front of the returns it could be that one of the laterals have broken it could be a bunch of other things too so check everything else before you dig it could be a bad gasket in the in the multiport valve it could be the screen at the air relief inside the tank that comes up from that lateral hub assembly it could be a crack in the standpipe check all of these things before you remove hundreds of pounds of sand. Like I said, fill the tank with halfway with water before pouring the new sand in. And if you do break a lateral and it's not quite time to change the sand yet, change it anyway. There's no point in putting old sand back into the filter. Get yourself a new start date. Just add new sand. It just makes sense. A pressure side DE filter operates 
very much or very similarly to a sand filter. The water comes in through the bottom of the tank instead of through the top. A sand filter always has the water come through the top. The DE that we use, that's diatoms. That's prehistoric mustard algae. It's not fossilized, but it's extremely well-preserved. Mustard algae consumes silicates. It's one of the few things on the planet that will actually consume silicates. It uses these to build its cell wall, which is often referred to as water glass. That protects it. That's what the diatomaceous earth is. That cell wall, that water glass does not degrade over time. It's preserved. It lasts. It's not fossilized, but it's still there. That's what we use in DE filters to catch the debris. Just like I said before with sand filters, we want to wear a mask when we're handling this. We do not want to inhale silica. With a diatomaceous earth filter, we backwash again when the pressure reads 8 to 10 PSI above the normal operating pressure. And again, to do this, we always shut the pump off before changing valve positions. We spoke about water hammer and how you can possibly get injured if the PVC pipe was to blow apart in moving a valve with a pump running. So we don't want to do that. After we've backwashed the filter and the water runs clear, it's time to add new diatomaceous earth. This is super, super important. Make sure you put the valve position back into filter before we add the DE. If you leave the valve in backwash, when you add the diatomaceous earth, the way we do that is we're going to mix it up into a bucket of water into a slurry and pour it slowly through the skimmer with the pump running. That will coat the outsides of the elements. That's the goal, because if you leave the position of the valve in backwash, you will fill the inside of the elements and you'll destroy all of their, those grids. So you're looking at, what, 50, 60 bucks a pop for a grid. There's eight of them in there. That's an expense that you didn't need. So please make sure we pay attention and we do this correctly. Now, the amount of diatomaceous earth you're supposed to add, one to one and a half pounds per 10 square foot of filter area is what we're supposed to add. A DE scoop holds one half pound of diatomaceous earth. So if you have a 48 square foot DE filter, you're looking at adding nine pounds of diatomaceous earth to that puppy every time you backwash. I know we never get it all out, and some folks like to add a little bit less each time they backwash. I'm cool with that. As long as we don't shortchange the filter, there will be a bunch in there that you have to scoop out every time you take that sucker apart. Trust me, it will be there. A cartridge filter is a great way to get a lot of filter into a small area. You cannot backwash one of these. You have to manually take it apart, hose down the element thoroughly. That's how we clean these. Sometimes you may need to soak it in a cleaning solution. I like TSP and water. Old school, it's much cheaper. I've done the math. Even than dishwashing liquid, if you use the doses in the right amounts, but again, whatever you use, you use. Just make sure you clean it thoroughly. Because you're hosing it down and not running your pump to run water through the system, you're using a lot less water to clean the element. That's why it's considered a means of water conservation. So if you're in an area that faces drought restrictions, a cartridge filter might not be a bad way for you to go.
That's what I have on my pool. I installed earlier this year one of the Aquastar pool products pipeline filters, and I love it. And again, we clean these whenever the pressure rises the 8 to 10 PSI above our normal operating pressure. Some of us have vacuum DE systems. You'll see these a lot on pools in Florida, commercial pools in Florida. Big open surge pits with the elements sitting inside visible. You don't have to open anything to see them. The way we clean these, it's a chore. One filter can take 30 to 45 minutes to clean properly. So you're not looking at your two to 10 minute backwash procedure, however long you're spending there mixing diatomaceous earth. No, here we're draining a surge pit completely, climbing in there if we can in some of the old school cinder block field built sumps. You can definitely do that. Get in there, clean the elements thoroughly. You're discharging the water out into a separation tank. That holds true with both DE filters. We're not allowed to discharge diatomaceous earth out into the environment. It needs to be collected in a separate separation tank that holds a bag inside that collects the DE so you can dispose of it in a means in accordance with the local sanitation department. So keep that in mind. We clean these whenever the vacuum gauge, and again, that's the gauge in front of the pump, whenever the vacuum gauge reads more than eight inches of mercury, that's when it's time to clean these elements. Then we fill the surge pit back up with water. We take our diatomaceous earth, pour, mix it in a slurry, pour that slowly in. I'm going to give you a good way to cheat on calculating how much DE you need to add in a vacuum DE filter if you have one of the setups that use the 19-inch round elements, which are the most common from what I've seen, you will use, I'm going to save you all the math, one DE scoop per element when you add new diatomaceous earth to these vacuum DE systems. That's how we're cleaning these things. But how are we sizing them, right? Because I mentioned sizing the filter to the pump. So let's talk about that for a minute. To do this properly, we need to know what the flow rate is and what the filter can handle. Because all we're going to do is take our flow rate and divide it by what the filter can handle per square foot of filter area. So for example, a diatomaceous earth filter, whether it's a pressure side or vacuum side, can handle two gallons per minute per square foot of filter area. So if I have a 100 gallon per minute flow rate, I divide that by two. And I would see that I would need 50 square foot of DE filter. That would be my filter size. A 48 would be a hair too small for that one. So I'd go with a 60 square foot DE on that pool all day long. Sand filters can handle anywhere from 5 to 20 gallons per minute per square foot of filter area. So same pool, 100 gallon per minute flow rate. Let's say it's it can handle the 20 gallons per minute per square foot. So 100 divided by 20, that gives me 5. So I need a sand filter that offers 5 square foot of surface area. Cartridge filters, it varies depending on where you're installing it or where the installation is. On a residential pool, super easy. It's 1 gallon per minute per square foot of filter area. So that 100 gallon per minute flow rate that I have, I would need a 100 square foot filter. That's what I would need in that scenario. If it's in a commercial application, it's a little bit different. Here, I'm only permitted 0.375 gallons per minute. So take that 100 
our flow rate, 100 gallons per minute divided by 0.375. And now we come up with 266.66 square foot of surface area needed. So I would need a cartridge filter that offered at least 267 square foot of filter area. So sizing filters, not so bad. Just take the flow rate, divide it by what the filter can handle. The manufacturers will have that information on the sell sheet. If you're not sure, you can look at the side of the tank. It'll be listed there as well. So just remember, it's okay to go large, but if you're going to go large with the pump, you're going to have to go large with the filter. You can't just go with a big-ass pump and a small filter because you'll blow that mother father apart. I promise you that. Anyway, that's it for this week. Make sure to tune in tomorrow where I do the Talking Pools podcast with Andrea where things always get a little bit nutty. We'll have another CPO Thursdays next week after the holiday weekend. I hope you guys enjoy it. I know it's busy. Put some time aside for you. It helps keep your brain straight. That's not a bad thing. There's so much going on. We've dealt with so much over the past couple of years. You make sure that you take care of you during this process too. Go fishing, ride your bike, whatever. Do it. Until next time, be good, be safe. I just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for listening today. I'm hoping you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Listen, it's been a couple of wacky, crazy, screwed up years from pandemic to Poolmageddon. I just want you to know that we are all in this together. If there's anything that we can do for you, send me an email at talkingpools at gmail.com. Again, that's talkingpools at gmail.com. We're here. This is your podcast. We are the Pool People's Podcast of the Pool People for the Pool People by the Pool People's Podcast. This one is about you. So thank you for tuning in and listening. Do me a favor. Click subscribe before you go. That way you don't miss an episode. 